Have you ever met somebody that you uh, unexpectedly hurt from your past? And they've now come back into your life. Well, I have. I recall a time when um, I wrote a letter to a pastor, actually a friend of uh, my grandfather's. And uh, I was talking to this pastor and writing this pastor because I wanted him to help uh, a family member who was going through a hard time. And my letter was, uh, was firm and it was strong and it got back to me that my words were hurtful. Well, I remember feeling this great regret and shame from that. And it's made me think today as we open up our passage from Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, and, and going through into chapter 13, what do we do with regrets? You know, many people in the world would say that we should live with no regrets. But I found that to be next to impossible. Have you? We either have to kind of lie to ourselves and believe that uh, we really don't make a lot of mistakes and therefore we don't have regrets, or we need to deal with our regrets. And today I want to tell you that the only way to deal with regrets is to take them to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is the hope. So would you please um, grab your Bible, and you can uh, look this up online. You can follow along on the screen. As I read Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, and going through uh, chapter, 1, or chapter 13, verse 1. And this is what the Lord says, And I will pour out in the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that then when they looked on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. On that day the mourning in Jerusalem will be as great as the mourning for Hadad Rimin and the plate of Megiddo. The land shall mourn each family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family and the house of Levi by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the Shimeites by itself, and their wives by themselves, and all the families that are left, each by itself, and their wives by themselves." On that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Can you imagine the first time that the Jews met their Messiah, Jesus Christ? They were certainly underwhelmed. They expected a king born in a palace, whereas he was born in a stable. They didn't expect uh, a country carpenter. They were rather looking for a conquering king. And yet Jesus came. Well, can you imagine fast-forwarding to the time when they see their Messiah, Jesus Christ, for the second time? The prophet Zechariah in verse 10 makes it clear what they will experience. They will experience regret. They will experience mourning. Again, look at verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they have looked on me, on whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. I mean, I can't believe what the Jews will experience. 
because it will be worse than, than even um, saying, you know, a, a, fo- a pro football team, let's say, trading their one way, away one of their best players, and um, that rival now beats them for a championship. It would be worse than um, someone killing their family members and experiencing great remorse and regret. The reason why is because the Jews will experience the truth that they killed their Messiah. Along with the Romans, along with all of us, we were part of Christ's death. In verse 1 of chapter, chapter 12, we read this. We find out who this person was. None other than the Creator. The burden of the Lord concerning Israel thus declares the Lord who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. We find very clearly from verse 1 that who this person was that the Jews had killed along with the Romans, along with the rest of us with our sins heaped upon Christ as he carried the sins of the world. It was the creator God. This would be like Henry Ford. Can you imagine Henry Ford was able to uh, come back to life and, and he came and walked around and he came into one of our driveways and he saw one of his pickups, one of his Ford pickups in our driveways. And he noticed that this, this pickup never went anywhere. In fact, it was only used once a year. It was used for tailgating at a Super Bowl. It never went anywhere to help people move. It never went uh, anywhere to show people beautiful places in, in uh, creation. It, it never went anywhere to help pick up lumber or, or take groceries to the poor. It was underutilized. Well, that's exactly what happened with the Jews when they met their Messiah, and yet they continued to worship and go after lesser priorities and lesser purposes. Unless you think that I'm picking on the Jews today, that's true for us as well, isn't it? We have pursued lesser purposes and lesser priorities. As we walk through this passage, we understand that Jesus, though, wasn't just the designer. He wasn't just the creator. He was also the mechanic. He came to repair our broken lives. He was the Savior. In fact, the prophet Isaiah links this whole piercing of Christ where he says we were in Isaiah chapter um, 53, verse 6, that he was pierced for our transgressions, all those wrongs that we have committed against God. So Christ was not just the designer, but he was also the mechanic. But he also is the expert driver. He is the Lord. He's the one who can take us places. That's why, as some of the, even the country songs say, Jesus take the wheel, right? We need Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. And so today, I want us to look into this passage more de- in depth and to understand that Jesus, when we first meet him, will cause grief. He will cause us to feel remorse. He will cause us to feel guilt. He will cause us to mourn. But on the other side of that mourning, there's comforting grace if we will repent. See, seeing Jesus when he comes back for the second time will cause grief, but also comforting grace 
if we will repent, if we will turn from our sins and turn to God. Look at verse 11. We see that the first group to experience this grief and then also grace is the generations. Look at verse 11. On that day, the morning in Jerusalem will be as great as the morning of Hadad Rimen and the plain of Megiddo. Now, scholars really debate where this place is. It could be an allusion to a Canaanite deity, but more likely it's, it's kind of a, an outlying ta- town right next to Megiddo. Maybe you've heard of Megiddo. Megiddo is famous because it's the town overlooking the plain of Megiddo, the place where Armageddon will happen, the last battle that will occur on this earth. I remember in 2006 visiting the ruins of the ancient town of Megiddo and um, looking over the plain and just having this very sober thought. And then all of a sudden, these Israeli war planes went over, over top of me and it made me think, someday there's going to be a great battle, a great war that's going to occur here. Well, the prophecy here that, that, that uh, Zechariah is pro- Thank you, Danny. Look at verse 12 as well. It says, The land shall mourn, each family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself. Now just stop there and think about David's family. David's family was the family that uh, was promised by God to have somebody on their throne forever. David was a man after God's own heart. And yet, David was a man with lots of sins. He committed adultery. He lied. He committed a murder. And yet, God, through Jesus Christ, is pouring out his grace upon David and his family. You see, David's family, for uh, a long time, down through the centuries, um, were kings, and, and they were not good kings. They acted as wicked shepherds. They were not the good shepherd like their ultimate son, Jesus, was. In fact, through their line, ultimately, they gave way to evil. And they gave e- way to evil for the whole nation of Israel. And that nation of Israel eventually killed David's greatest son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth the rightful king, the king that God had promised in 2 Samuel 7 to reign forever and ever. And yet God shows his grace to these powerful and wicked shepherds, this family of David. One of the implications for us is maybe you are a blue blood in church. Maybe you've had a lot of pew time. I'm a third generation pastor. And so this verse specifically um, reminds me that though I have failed, though I am at times wicked, God's grace is available for me. If you're religious today, if you've been in church for a long time, then this message is for you. You need God's grace. Repent and you will find it. 
mourn over your sin. We continue on in verse 12, and we also see that God's grace is available for Nathan's family. Who was Nathan? Well, Nathan was the prophet in David's day. He actually confronted King David about his adultery and murder of Uriah the Hittite. Can you imagine how Nathan would have felt as he came in front of the audience of the king and he, uh, he confronted him and says, You are the man who had killed this innocent man who was just trying to protect his family, Uriah. Well, what a reminder that even us who are maybe have a prophetic edge, who are truth tellers in this world, that we need grace. That we need God's grace and mercy to be poured out on us. See, seeing Jesus will cause grief and mourning and regret on our part, but it will also cause us to have his comforting grace if we will repent. Picking up in verse 13, we also find Levi's family. Levi's family were the, the family of priests. They were the servants. They were the behind-the-scenes people. And yet God promises that they themselves will also have mourning, but they will also experience his grace. So what an implication for us. Maybe we are those, those servants, those choice servants, and we are, um, we are doing things behind the scenes, and we do things in secret for God. But guess what? That will not get us into heaven. We need to mourn over our sins. We need to come to God and receive his grace if we will repent. We might be like the tribe of Levi, but we will mourn when seeing Jesus. And if we repent, we will receive his comforting grace. And then look at verse 13. We also find the family of Shimei. Now, who was Shimei? There's two really famous Shimeis in the, the Bible. There was Shimei, who was the son, one of the sons of Levi. I actually don't think that's who we're talking about. Actually, I think we're talking about the Shimei that's found in 2 Samuel 7, verse 2. And it's in the whole context and historical period. And Shimei was a guy who cursed David when David left Jerusalem to flee from his, his son Absalom, who was rising up against him. And so today, maybe you're listening, and you are like Shimei. You're hostile to God's leaders, to God's people. Can I remind you that you too will mourn and that today is the day to repent, to stop the neg negativity. You see, negativity is more contagious than the COVID uh, virus. And so today, today is the day to repent so that someday you will not have regret. You will find grace today. And then we find in verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 1, that for David and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, that they themselves will find grace to find cleansing from sin and from uncleanness. What a, what a great hope that is. I would just encourage you this day that you would, you would remember that God loves you. 
that he wants to pour out his Holy Spirit. This, this spirit of grace and mercy is personal. It is God himself that he's giving to us. And it's through the blood of Jesus, the one whom was pierced for us, that we can experience full cleansing, cleansing from our sin, that we can live with no regrets. They say, well, John, this is some ancient prophecies. This is some news that was good for people long ago. But what about for us? Well, look what Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. It's up on the screen, and you will see that this, this verse actually applies for all of us. It says this, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail or mourn on account of him. See, it's not just the Jews. It's not just David. It's not just Nathan it's, and, and his family and their wives. It's not just uh, Levi. It's not just Shimei. It's not just the inhabitants of Jerusalem. All of us will mourn. Many of us are anticipating, and we should anticipate when Christ comes, but I think there'll be a little check in our spirit. There'll be a little bit of regret for the things that we have done, for the things that we have said, for the things that we have thought, or even the things that we should have done, the things we should have said, the things we should have thought. Where am I getting this? Well, every time that human beings, finite human beings, are confronted with a holy God and have met their Lord, they become undone. Look at this passage. Remember in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, and Jesus uh, was calling one of his first disciples, Peter. And uh, there was a miraculous catch of fish. And what did Peter say to the Lord Jesus? He said, get away from me, for I am a sinful man. I think we'll experience some of that same perspective. It's true. We also see this in Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet who really walked with God. And yet, listen what he says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, as he encounters the glory of the Lord. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I will dwell, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Friends, let me just tell you today that when you see Jesus and he is coming back, you will mourn and I will mourn. But today, if you will receive his grace and you, by repenting of your sins and trusting in him in faith to cleanse you from all sin, that mourning will turn to majestic praise for his grace and his mercy. Mourning can turn into mercy. So today, if you would pray with me as you maybe confess your sins or maybe even trust in Jesus Christ for the first time, let's do that. God, I would just ask that we come to you in the strong name of your son, Jesus Christ, on whom 
was pierced with a spear and with nails in his hands. And to this very day is up in heaven with those, those same nail-pierced hands as a reminder of your grace and your mercy. Lord, would you now come into our lives? We receive you. We repent of our sin. We confess these sins to you. And we know of your promise that you will cleanse us from all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We take that promise today. And we turn to you with great hope. Help us to leave the negativity behind. Help us to leave our pride, even though maybe we've been um, in positions of, of, of being religious, and some of us have been irreligious, God. Would we now turn to you for your grace and mercy, which we can find in our time of need? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, if you prayed that prayer, if you have confessed your sins as Jesus, as your Lord and Savior, would you tell us about that? Would you let us know at info at Temple Baptist Church? We would love to tell you more about how you could become a part of God's family. See, families are so important as we read through this passage. God cares about his family, his forever family. And now you can be a part of it, going from mourning to mercy. I hope you have a great week and go in his grace and with his peace.